Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have uh, last couple weeks been looking at the Apostle Paul and just making the declaration or just or just identifying him uh, as legendary, uh, and uh, been doing this uh, because uh, I believe that there is a call of God on each and every one of your lives to be uh, legendary. And I believe that there is a call of God on uh, all of your lives, all who may uh, be listening. If you're hearing this right now, uh, just pray the Holy Spirit would run you down uh, and, and would never leave you alone until you submit uh, to the call of God on your life to be uh, legendary. I want to, uh, this morning, uh, just identify for you another thing that uh, the Apostle Paul would do uh, that I believe is legendary. Uh, that applies to each and every one of our lives, that we've got the opportunity uh, and the call of God on our lives to do this uh, as well. Uh, and then we, will, then we will not only identify, but we'll also look for some help uh, in this uh, so that we can see from Scripture some of the things that Paul had going on in his life uh, that helped him to be able to do this, uh, that uh, without offending anyone, I wonder sometimes... How many Christians have this going on in their, in their lives? We'll just identify three things Christians got to have in their lives. I wonder if they do. And I think sometimes maybe they don't, and that's the reason that they are uh, making the decisions and choices uh, that they are uh, making. If you remember, uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul, at this point in time, is called Saul, uh, and uh, that changes um, in, in one verse, it says, it says in, in uh, Acts 13, it says that, uh, says that Saul, you know, also called Paul, uh, and, uh, and then after that it just calls him Paul uh, from, from then on out. Uh, but here in Acts chapter 9, uh, we've got the Apostle Paul, Saul, and, and uh, you remember he is at this point in time uh, devoted to destroying the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has been uh, dragging men and women off into prison uh, who were believers, who were of the way, who were of the church of Jesus. And he has gotten now permission uh, and, and authority and letters to go to Damascus and there uh, destroy the church, try to find uh, men and women of the way, and he has authority to arrest them and to drag them off to prison. And as he is on the road to Damascus, he has a life-changing encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who shines so brightly, knocks Paul to the ground, blinds his eyes, and forever changes his life. So if we know some friends 
family members who are on the road to Damascus and who are destroying their lives and destroying their family members and destroying the church and, 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 are, and are completely headed in the wrong direction, go ahead and pray that kind of Christ encounter to where Jesus will come and knock them down and blind their eyes and change and transform uh, their lives. I mean, some people are like Paul. They are so hard-headed that Jesus has just got to come and boom, knock them right to the ground. And I give you permission, and I think the Word of God does too, to just go ahead and call the knock-you-down-to-the-ground Jesus on them and let him show up on the road to Damascus and knock them down to the ground. And some people are so hard-headed, and I hope this isn't you, are so hard-headed that Jesus has knocked them down about five or six times, and they're still headed off in the wrong direction. I wonder how many times does Jesus have to sock you in the nose before you're going to repent and begin to live for him? And you want to be careful because you don't know when the last time might be. It's the last time Jesus is going to show up on the road to Damascus and knock you down. And you better repent the time that he shows up. You better change on the day of salvation when he comes. We gotta, we gotta stop heading off in the wrong direction. Anyway, stay focused, Jason. Hallelujah. He, he knocks Paul down and changes this man's life. And Jesus shows up to him and, and he says, Paul or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul says, Saul, who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds, I love this. I wanted to highlight it for you. Jesus responds again with this. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And at this point in time, Saul could have said, no, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. I've been, I've been getting the believers and, and, and putting them in prison. I'm not putting you in prison. But here Jesus declares that he is the church and that the church is him. It's such a beautiful reminder to us that we are the body of Christ, that we are the bride of Christ, that Ephesians 5 is true, that we are the bride of Christ, that we have united with Jesus in a uniting oneness covenant and what God has brought together, man can not separate. We are one with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if the world persecutes us, persecutes Jesus. If the world comes against us, the world comes against our Jesus. He saw wasn't only persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus because Jesus and the church are in an inseparable covenant with one another and they are one. We've got to remember this truth that in Christ Jesus, we have united with him. We have died to, who, to, to our single sinful selves and we are now in covenant marriage with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and one with him. I've said this before, I just want to say it again. You know, in 2002... March the 2nd, 2002, I married this beautiful woman right here, and it was a life-changing day for me. I died to single Jason and was born again to marry Jason, and I am in now covenant with my beautiful wife, Joy, and we are no longer two, but one. 
I was changed and transformed on that day. I could not continue to live life the way that I once did. Now in covenant, it is a life-changing covenant. I now live different. Right? I remember one night I, I stayed out playing basketball till like 11.30 at night. And when I got home, I got fussed at about it. And I realized, whoa, I'm not single anymore. And I got somebody at home. Life has changed. It's different. I didn't do that anymore. Because single Jason is gone, right? We live different. We're transformed. We're changed in Christ Jesus. We are now the body of Christ. We are now the people of God. We are no longer in this world or of this world to love this world or desire this world. We are in Christ Jesus, citizens in his kingdom, family members of his household, co-heirs with him, blows my mind. We are now his and he is ours. We are now to live different. And we see that this is what Paul does. He recognizes, I am completely wrong, going in the wrong direction. And he changes his life, does a complete 180, repents, and lives the rest of his days. It's such a remarkable story to me. I've heard it since I was a kid. I saw my Sunday school teacher do it in flannel graphs. You remember those? They were like, isn't that where they, I, th I think I said the right word. Flannel graphs, right? Yeah, where they stick it up on the... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Put, played it out in flannel graphs for me is how long I've known this story and it's still so remarkable to me. He was the number one destroyer of the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Am I showing my age? I see some of you looking around like, what? What are you talking about? What is a flannel graph? Number one destroyer of the church. I'll try to stay focused. Changes to become the number one one builder of the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's legendary. It's legendary. And I hope that, I hope that we have the integrity and the wisdom and the humility and the courage to when we meet with Jesus and recognize that we're wrong and see things differently to repent and change and not continue to head on the destructive path course that we have been living on. If you recognize you're wrong, Follow the Apostle Paul's example, do a 180, repent, change, and transform your life. Now Paul sets out on this journey of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. And he builds the church, builds the church, builds the church, builds the church, builds the church. He runs into a lot of opposition, though, not only from the world, but also from the, from the Jewish community because of the revelation that he has and the preaching and teaching of the new covenant that has come about because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as his journey goes, he comes to this place where, where people say, as he comes into their town, that, that this man and those disciples and the church that have turned the world upside down have now showed up here in our town. You see, to be legendary, we've got to be world changers to where we're not influenced by the world, but where we are influencing the world, to where we're not changed by the culture, but we are changing the culture, uh, shining the light of Christ. Now, as Paul was doing this, it's interesting that the culture that he was in really resembles 
the culture that we are in. It was an anti-Christ culture then, and it is an anti-Christ culture now. Now, we read 1 John chapter 4, but I want to read this for you again so that we remember that this culture that we are in is an anti-Christ culture and that it is an incredibly deceptive culture. So here we go, 1 John 4. Uh, verse 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see, to see whether they uh, are from God, because many false prophets have gone out uh, into uh, the world. You ever get around somebody who believes everything? I actually had a conversation this past week uh, with someone, and they were telling me something uh, so silly, and I'm like, man, that is, not, that is not true. That is completely false. And they're like, yeah, but I Googled it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Really? Man, you can't believe everything you Google. And he's like, yeah, and they showed it on TV too. And I'm like, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you just messing around with me? But they were like really serious. But yeah, so, you know, for, uh, never mind, I'll get myself in trouble. (laughs) Don't believe every spirit, right? Don't believe every Google. Certainly not everything you watch on TV. And most everything that anyone tells you is probably full of holes in falsehood as well. Right? I know we know this, but let me just chase rabbits if they come to my mind, I guess. You know, if somebody's telling you something that they heard from somebody else, it's not entirely accurate. Okay? Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many, see that, many false prophets have gone out into uh, the world. There are many uh, false teachings, many false beliefs, many false ideas, many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Verse 2. This is how uh, you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from uh, God. So we are uh, looking to our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And we are now able to see because of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we are able to identify the false teachings, the false spirits, the false prophets uh, that have come into uh, the world. Verse 3, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is a spirit of anti-Christ, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So here is this is this uh, uh, John identifying this spirit as an anti-Christ spirit uh, that is in the world. And we've already seen here how uh, deceptive this anti-Christ spirit is, that it's it's false, uh, that it is uh, deceptive. And we remember last week we talked about uh, how behind this uh, is our enemy, the devil, and that this is how he operates. It's lies and deceptions to work about his purpose of steal, kill, destroy, devour. Verse 4. 
You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Such an important passage of Scripture right there to remember that that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is against us. That our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is so much greater than our enemy. Just let me point out, because I love this so much, in Revelation chapter 12, when when uh, when there is uh, war, when there's going to be war against the dragon, the devil, uh, Jesus doesn't even go. He just sends Michael, the archangel, because he doesn't even have to go. He's so much greater uh, than the one who is in the world, the enemy that comes against us. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. Remember, remember 2 Corinthians 5, uh, that, that we who have believed in, in Christ Jesus have died with Him to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for the One who died for us, our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And though we once uh, lived by the viewpoint of the world and even looked at Jesus that way, we no longer do so. We have, we have changed the way that we think and we no longer live by the viewpoint of the world. There's such a, like, a lot of Christians need to remember, memorize this because they're still so impacted and so influenced by the culture and are living by the viewpoint of the world. And, and, uh, because in that world, they speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. But here's the change. Verse 6, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is what I wanted to identify for us again. That in this anti-Christ culture, there are two things taking place. There's the spirit of truth. And there is the spirit of falsehood. And as the people of God, we need to recognize and embrace and live by the spirit of truth. And we need to recognize and stand against the spirit of falsehood. So here we go. This is what, if you look at the, at the life of Paul, Saul Paul, let's just call him Paul from now on. If we look at the life of Paul, we see, study him out and, and watch if you look closely and, and, and you read it carefully, you will find that he is all the time doing this. He is all the time standing against the spirit of falsehood. He is all the time willing to confront and oppose the spirit of falsehood. He doesn't just, he doesn't just quietly do nothing. He engages the spirit of falsehood and opposes the spirit of falsehood. He is unashamedly would stand against the spirit of falsehood and at the same time he would he would uncompromisingly stand for the spirit of truth, standing for the truth and opposing what is false opposing what is false and standing for what is true. And this is a legendary thing to do. And it is one of the reasons why he is a legendary man. And as I've said, there is a legendary call of God on our lives to do the same. 
We cannot just hide in the corner and let all things happen around us. We've got to engage. We've got to step out. We've got to oppose the spirit of falsehood. Right? Remember in 2 Thessalonians, it is the church, the Holy Spirit-filled church, that is standing against the spirit of Antichrist and holding back the deception, holding back the destruction, holding back the enemy. It's not till we're raptured out of here that he is ever, that that spirit is ever able to run rampant. Right now we're holding it back. But we've, but we who are holding it back, we need some help. We need some other Christians to get in the game, to get in the fight and hold back the spirit of falsehood and proclaim the spirit of truth there's a call of God on our lives to oppose what is false and to proclaim and declare and stand for what is true we cannot we cannot embrace what is false as truth and deny what is truth as false We've got to be able to distinguish between the two and stand for what is true and oppose what is false. We've got to call that Antichrist spirit for what it is. We've got to say that is not right, that is not true, that is not Jesus, that is not life-giving. We oppose this in the mighty name of Jesus. And I could just go through and start listing some things that we need to oppose. And maybe I will in just a moment. I don't know. But we need to oppose the spirit of falsehood. We need to stand for the spirit of truth. I remember when I was, when I was just a kid that one of the things that my dad wanted me to know as a, as a Christian a young man, and he, he got me apart, and I'm sure he did this with my brother and sister as well. And if he didn't, that would explain a lot. Really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just felt like we needed some humor right there. No, I can't even look over that direction. <laughs> One of the things that he taught me is he said, Son, he said, as a believer, as a Christian, as a man of God, there are going to be times in your life where you've got to stand for the truth alone. You've got to stand alone all by yourself. I'm not going to be there. Your brother's not going to be there. There's not going to be anybody else there. It's just going to be you and Jesus, and there's going to be faults and temptation and lies that come against you, and you are going to have to stand alone on the truth for the truth. And you know what? He was right. There was several times in my life, and I could tell them out for you, I remember them clearly, where, where the enemy came against me, falsehood came against me, and there wasn't anybody. I was all alone by myself. There wasn't anybody who would back me up, and I had to stand by myself on the truth of the Word of God. That's what we got to do. We got to see the faults, we got to oppose it, and we got to stand for the truth, although I never was truly alone. In those moments, the Holy Spirit was powerfully with me, powerfully with me. I can think back to them and, and, and see how it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't even me. 
Just the Holy Spirit moved and, 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 and delivered me from it and gave me such courage and strength, and he will you as well. Church, that's one of the reasons why we need to be praying for people, right? Because we can pray that on people's lives. I believe that I was able to do that because of my grandmother's prayers and my mom's prayers and my, my other grandmother's prayers and my dad's prayers and my grandfather's prayers and people of God praying over my life that when that would come, the Holy Spirit would be there to deliver me from it. We can pray that on people's lives and we need to do that you need to pray that over your children pray that over your grandchildren pray that over whomever the Lord brings to uh, your mind will pray the victory over them so that in those standalone moments they won't truly be alone the Lord will be right there with them and you and the Lord are enough praise the Lord we take a coffee break this is what Paul does he he stands on the truth. He stands against what is false. This is kind of what really brings so much persecution uh, into uh, his life. Let me, as I, uh, before we here get into this story of uh, one of the stories where Paul uh, does this and highlights some help, uh, let, me read, let me read two passages of Scripture uh, for you. Or, um, let's see. Let's read. Let's remember here uh, how deceptive uh, these these times are, just by adding some other scriptures. So let's go. Um, let's go. Second Timothy three, you know, one through five. You're probably uh, familiar uh, with these verses, and we just need to we just need to get a look at this uh, culture uh, that we are in. Second Timothy three, uh, one through. We'll just go one through five. Starting at verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Uh, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Like we can identify all that uh, in, uh, in our culture. Uh, so we can see this antichrist uh, culture that we are in, uh, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, we, you know, if you're if you have some discernment and, some, and the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you can see all these things uh, in our culture. It continues on uh, having a form of godliness but denying its power you see the deception there there is like this appearance of good there is this appearance of godliness because that's what deception is deception isn't isn't evil right over here come we're gonna steal and kill and destroy everything you've got right satan appears as an angel of light there's it's a form of godliness like it it, it's a deception that man this looks like it might be good this looks like it might be okay this is why we need uh, help from the holy spirit there's a form of godliness denying its power what does it say have nothing to do with such uh, people now you see this uh, deception, you see these uh, deceptive times. Jesus also uh, helped us with this uh, in Matthew chapter 7 uh, when he talks about false prophets. Matthew chapter 7 uh, verse 15, Jesus says this, watch out for false prophets. So it's got this, this uh, in, the, in the verse, this instruction for us to be on guard, right? Uh, to, be, to be alert, 
to, to look and to see and to watch so that we're watching out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So we see again here uh, the deception. So there's, there's this deception that I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep, right? But it's a wolf that's come that not just a, a wolf, but a ferocious wolf that has come to devour, has come to destroy, and we are to watch out. So this has got a, this has got a, you know, a shepherding uh, uh, language uh, to it. And so you almost get this picture of a shepherd who is on guard for the wolves, watching out, watching over uh, the sheep, uh, so that so that nothing comes in and is able to devour and kill and destroy and and we as the people of God have to watch over others that way and we've got to watch over ourselves that way as well because there are false prophets we learn from John that there are many that have come that they are in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves so it's false it's deceptive it's hidden it's covered up trying to look like something else when in reality it is something uh, destructive that wants to destroy. This is, we've got to be alert with this. Or we can't be blind to, that, to the reality that this is a deceptive antichrist spirit, that these are deceptive times. You know, we can't be like, woo, look at that, that's cool, I'm going to follow that after that. We've got to identify the spirit of falsehood. Can't be led astray by every wind of teaching that comes about, right? Ephesians, Ephesians 4, we've got to be mature and not blown here and there, tossed by every wind and wave of teaching that comes. And these days, it is especially difficult because everybody's got a voice. Right? Everywhere, you, everywhere you turn, everybody's got a voice to declare their crazy ideas. And, and we've got to be able to look and identify, wow, that is a crazy idea. That is a crazy truth. You've got to be able to see it when it's declared and say that is not biblical at all. That is completely against the word of God. Like Black Lives Matter. You go and read their beliefs. Right? It has an appearance of good and everybody's getting behind it. But you go and read their beliefs. It is anti-Christ, anti-Scripture, anti-purity, anti-family. I will not support it. They declare passionately, we stand boldly against this. And I declare passionately, I stand boldly against them. I will not support it. We've got to identify what is false. We've got to be able to see it. We've got to be able to see it. Now, I love, I love all people, red and yellow, black and white. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this, this anti-Christ organization. You can see clearly their beliefs in there. We've got to be able to identify falsehood and we just can't stand quietly by. I cannot just stand quietly by and do nothing. I have got to stand against what is false and passionately stand for what is true. Amen. So we see Paul do this uh, here in Acts uh, here in Acts chapter 15. Now, now what, is, what has happened here is, again, Paul is you know, passionately uh, building the church uh, of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he is going and, and preaching and proclaiming uh, the new covenant. And, uh, 
And as he is, as he's doing that, they are they face a difficulty, they face opposition, they face uh, persecution, and uh, and and we kind of some of it kind of comes to a head uh, in Acts uh, chapter fifteen. Uh, we'll start uh, here at verse one, Acts fifteen, uh, verse one. We see Paul doing all these things that we started to talk about. Uh, certain people came uh, down from Judea and Antio- to Antioch. Uh, and we're teaching uh, the believers, see there's this teaching, this proclaiming, uh, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, uh, you cannot be saved. Right? So it's, it's almost like, see they threw, they threw Moses in there, right? There's Moses uh, in there, and so it's got this, got this you know, form of good, this form of right, this form of godliness. You ever hear somebody teach something and they even put Bible verses in there? They, they, they start teaching stuff, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that is not, right? And then they start throwing some Bible verses in there, and you're like, no, no, uh-uh. uh-uh. That is totally out of context. That is not at all what that, what that says, right? But, but, to, but to many, they are influenced and led astray by that. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So this is what is being taught, verse 2. This brought Paul and Barnabas to just you know, hide in the shadows because that's not what they were teaching and let this just take place and happen in front of them. No. Uh-uh. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And Paul says, whoa, wait a minute. No, sir. False teaching. False teaching. False teaching. You know, he's like... Like at this like air horn, you can see it. False teaching. This is wrong. This is false. This is not true. This is not of Christ. And he comes and he opposes what is false. We've got to do this. We cannot quietly sit by and, and just let false things be proclaimed. We've got to recognize them and and come into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question. You know, so one side says, no, this is right, and the others are saying, no, this is wrong. So they're so they're now gonna, gonna bring this to the to the church. So the church uh, sent them on their way, and as they traveled uh, through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made uh, all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, uh, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders uh, to whom they reported everything God had done uh, through them. Then uh, some of the believers who belonged uh, to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, uh, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. This is kind of interesting because uh, you you remember Paul was a Pharisee uh, of Pharisees, and here we've got uh, the the Pharisees and those who have belonged to the party of the Pharisees who are believers, but they are mistaken in this. Uh, These people, you know, probably uh, had at one point in time maybe influence over Saul's life are declaring here that the Gentiles must be required to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. And Paul says, no, cannot do this. Verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Oh no, now we got Peter into this. 
Right? Another legendary uh, man of God. Uh, Peter gets up and he addresses this and he says, Brothers, uh, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, uh, who knows the heart, uh, showed that He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as He did to us. Right? Ephesians 1 reminds us that, a Holy, that the Holy Spirit is a deposit uh, guaranteeing uh, our inheritance. Giving that. He, did the, he did not discriminate between us and them, uh, for He purified their hearts by faith. He purified their hearts by faith. So here, Peter is now proclaiming the truth. Now then, why do you try to test God? By putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. We couldn't do this. And our ancestors before us couldn't handle this or bear this either. Why in the world are we trying to lay this on the Gentiles whom, whom God has already showed us that he has accepted by giving them the Holy Spirit? He's purified their hearts with faith, by faith. No, I like explanation points right there. No, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. So here Peter now uh, declares, and we, we know that Paul is in agreement with this, he declares the truth. And so we have this standing against the false teaching, and now this uh, declaring and standing for uh, the truth. No, we believe, we know that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. That it is by grace uh, that we are saved and not by works uh, so that no one can boast. It is by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we have found salvation. So they recognize what is false and they oppose it and stand against it and they then declare and stand for the truth. This is, what, this is what these believers did. This is what the disciples did. And it was legendary. And it led to the changing of the world. And it is what we must do as well. We've got to identify and oppose what is false. And we've got to passionately stand for what is true. I'll go ahead and read the rest of the story for you so you see how it plays out. The whole assembly became silent. As they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles uh, through them. So Paul chimes in, Barnabas chimes in, and they say, yes, Peter's right. And they reinforce it by testifying about all that God is doing among the Gentiles. When they finished, James spoke up. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And he said, brothers, he said, listen to me. Uh, Simon, Peter, uh, has described to us how God first uh, intervened uh, to choose a, a people of his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. 
that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. Gentiles bearing the name of the Lord, says the Lord who does these things. He says, see, from Scripture we see that Peter and Paul are right. Things known from long ago, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Standing against this truth, uh, standing against this falsehood, proclaiming this truth, and now uh, they're setting their direction based on the truth. Instead, we should write to them, uh, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, uh, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city uh, from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every uh, Sabbath. Uh, So he makes this this judgment uh, based on the truth. And this is what they send to the Gentiles, telling them, if you guys will do these things, then you will be be okay. Then you will uh, be good. Here in this story, uh, we see that the apostles... That the disciples are opposing what is false and standing for what is true. And we find Paul doing this again and again and again and again. There is actually even a time where Paul sees Peter doing something he doesn't agree with. And he opposes Peter stands against Peter because Peter has, has wandered into the faults a little bit and he declares the truth even to Peter. So committed is he to opposing what is false and standing for what is true. And as the people of God, as maybe we need to not say Christians, right? Because as Greg said, a lot of people are declaring that they're Christians who aren't Christians at all. Maybe we need to say we are disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we are followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we oppose what is false. We stand for what is true. Let me remind you what Jude said in Jude 3 and 4. Jude Jude verses 3 and 4, he said this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. I love, 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 love the church, right? And I love the salvation that we have found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we are called to gather and to worship. And we are called to gather and to declare our salvation. And we are to declare God's love and His mercy and His grace. But there is also a call of God on our lives to contend for the faith Isn't that interesting? That has been entrusted to God's holy people. That has been entrusted to the saints. There's a call of God on our lives. Jude says, man, I want to get together and talk about salvation. But I am feeling compelled because of the deceptiveness of the times to remind you that we've got to contend for the faith. It's been entrusted to us. That there's all kinds of faults. And we've got to call it out. And there's all truth is under attack. And we've got to embrace it and stand for it. We've got to fight for these things. We've got to contend for these things. We've got to say that is false and wrong and this is true and right. That's just a a controversial thing right there in our culture, isn't it? To call anything false and wrong. You might offend somebody. Well, you know what? 
If they need to be offended in order to save their lives, then we need to offend them in order to save their lives. And if they need to be offended in order to save the lives of others, then we need to offend them in order to save the lives of others. Don't you think that it was offensive for Paul and Barnabas to step up and say, well, wait a minute, guys. This whole circumcision to salvation thing is wrong. That is not right. We don't have to be circumcised to be saved. We're saved by grace and that alone. It's not by works. It's nothing that we do. You guys need to stop it right now. Those men were offended by that. And some were so offended that they brought Paul into, into, into persecution, into, into incredible persecution. You know, we've got to contend for the faith. Jude goes on to tell us why. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. You you remember the ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Covered up in sheep's clothing have slipped in among you. That it's even gotten into the church. There's falsehood, false prophets, false teaching that is getting into the church and we've got to identify it, call it out, and stand against it. And declare the truth. They've secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ only sovereign and Lord. So you watch out for this. Watch out for the, the, uh, the perverting of grace and calling it a license to sin. And watch out for the denying of Jesus Christ as only sovereign and Lord. This is what Paul recognizes with the circumcision thing, right? It's a, de- it's a denial of Jesus. It's, a, it's saying that he's not enough, that you've got to add this to it. You've got to watch out for the denying of Jesus as only sovereign and Lord. So if you hear preachers and teachers who are changing the grace of God to a license to sin, let the red flags go up. If you, if you hear a denial of Jesus as only sovereign and Lord, then I'm done listening to that person. Completely. It's, it's over and finished. They have no influence in my life at all. If you deny this sovereign and Lord, then, then you fall into this category right here. So we are called to contend for and to defend the faith. Now, going back here into Acts, I said... So not only would we identify these things, but, but let, me give you, uh, let me give you three helps that are going to help us to uh, identify what is false. And I know I said three, but I'll do these very quickly. Identify what is false and, and stand for uh, what is uh, truth. We find all of these uh, in Paul and in Barnabas' life. In Acts chapter 13, verse, verse 9, it is the verse where, where Paul is mentioned as Saul and Saul as Paul. And then from then on, Paul, it, it is Paul. He is, conf- he is confronting a, a sorcerer named, named Bar-Jesus. Uh, who is a false teacher, a false prophet, and a sorcerer, and Paul just doesn't let him walk by. He just let him go by. He confronts him, and, and, how, and, and, and the description that it gives uh, of Saul uh, here is one that we so need uh, to hear. Here it is. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, and from then on called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight uh, at Emmaus and said, and, and, we, and, and just declared to him, 
that he was false. It's very offensive. Go and read it on your, on your own time. He says you're a child of the devil. It's, <laughs> it's so offensive the way that he just calls this man out for who he, for who he is. And I know that, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And here he is, and you say, how could he say this? How could he say this? Because in verse 9, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. And as Christians, as the people of God, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And filled with the Holy Spirit, we are able to quickly and clearly identify the false spirit of Antichrist in this world. You say, how in the world am I going to be able to identify all these false things when they're so deceptive? You are filled with the Holy Spirit. I hear some Christians talk about what they believe and I'm scratching my head. And honestly, the thought comes to my mind. If you, ha- if you don't have any more Holy Spirit than that in your life, then you need to question your salvation. You need to maybe back up and look yourself in the mirror and, and do I really believe in Jesus? Like, like Christians who believe in abortion, If there's no more of the Holy Spirit at work in your life than that, that you can believe in abortion, you really need to repent and give your heart to Jesus. I'm not, I don't know, it's not up to me whose name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm just saying, you should be concerned. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to to identify and help us to see what is true and what is false. I'm probably, I'm, I'm like in danger of becoming an unpopular preacher. Not that I was popular anyway. But hey, it is what it is. I, I, don't, I can't stand by and say nothing. We cannot let falsehood be declared as truth and not oppose it. We have got to stand and declare this is wrong. It is not right. It is not life-giving. We've got to like... How in the world do you even believe that anyway? you got to have some Holy Spirit working in your life. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will quickly see children of the devil. And the Holy Spirit may move through you to just go ahead and call them that. You are not of God. You're a child of the devil. And then when you get, when you, when you, Paul probably when he's done with that was like, whoa, where did that come from? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as the, as the story goes on, uh, Paul, is, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they, they come under persecution because of this kind of stuff. And, and, and such persecution that uh, they, are, they are run out of town. Uh, and, uh, and as they are uh, run, out of, run out of town, they, they take their sandals off and they shake the dust out of it in protest. And then they... And then they move on uh, to, the, to the next place. Um, but before, before all of that happened, uh, Paul, uh, after having done all of that, uh, he, he, began, he went into the synagogue and he began to preach. And I want you to see this. 
I'm not going to read it all for you, but you can read Acts chapter 13 and read Paul's message. And as he, as he preaches this message, he, he starts and, and he tells the story of the people of God from the Scriptures. And as he's telling the story of the people of God from the Scriptures, he quotes Psalm chapter 2. He, not, not the whole chapter, but he quotes from Psalm 2. He quotes uh, from Isaiah, and he quotes from Habakkuk. You, you guys might even not have known that there was a Habakkuk. There isn't a Habakkuk. He, he quotes, I'm just kidding, I know you do. He quotes uh, from Habakkuk. And so we see, as, as Paul goes through uh, preaching the word of God, just declaring, t- declaring a truth and then backing it up with Scripture, that Paul is not only filled with the Spirit, but that he is filled with the word of God. If we're going to identify what is false, and proclaim what is true. We've got to not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have got to fill ourselves with the Holy Scripture. We've got to fill ourselves with the Word of God. How are you going to navigate through deceptive times? It is with the Word of the Lord being a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. you got to get it into you, 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 to where you are filled with the Word of God. And what you will find as you work to fill yourself with the Word of God, what you'll find is that you will quickly identify what is false because of the Word of God in your life. You'll hear somebody say something and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures will not confirm it. And you'll say, well, you know what? It sounds good, but it's not. It sounds good, but it's wrong. Like join on, maybe I should. I'll, I'll stop. Mm. <laughs> Got to be filled with the, the Scriptures. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Scriptures, like Paul, you will be able to look and say, that is not right. It is false. And to oppose it, stand against it, and to stand for the truth. Then, then uh, one more. In Acts chapter 13, verses 51 and 52, this is where, this is where Paul comes under uh, persecution for proclaiming the truth, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. And this is what it says. Uh, so, they're, so they're run out of town because of it. So uh, they shook uh, the dust off their feet uh, as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here again we see that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. But I also want you to see, I don't want you to miss this, that they are filled with joy. And not only, not only are they full of the Holy Spirit, but they are full of the joy of the Lord. Not only are they filled with the Word of God, but they are filled with the joy of the Lord. Listen to me, listen to me Christians. There's, there's such an importance to us not being deceived to our not being deceived and us being filled with the joy of the Lord. When, when we are full of worry and full of fear and filled with anxiety and all the things that lead uh, to uh, those things, it affects our ability to recognize faults and truth. It affects our ability to receive the word of the Lord and to have it grow up in our lives. 
This is why so many Christians are being deceived and led astray by what is false because they don't have the joy of the Lord in their heart. And because they don't have the joy of the Lord in their heart, they are weakened and not able to see what is false and to see what is true and stand for either one. They've gotta, we've got to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And so you see, you see a Christian who's highly deceived, you will most likely find a Christian who is highly fearful or greatly worried or struggling, 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 struggling with depression or, or overcome by anxiety or dealing with, dealing with doubt. You, you find a Christian that's highly deceived. You find one that's probably not filled with the joy of the Lord. And when we are filled with the joy of the Lord, it closes down the enemy's ability to lead us astray, to infiltrate the ranks of our lives and plant seeds of deception in our heart. I'm telling you, it's good preaching. This is why we got to deal with these things. We can't let them grow up in our lives. You say, man, why is that person so led astray? Look at their level of fear. Look at their level of worry. Look at their level of access they're allowing the enemy to get into their lives and rob from them their joy. One of the things that, that Bishop Mike taught me early on is he, is he got me and he looked at me and he said, Jason, one of the things I do is, is, is I've got some things that the enemy can't have. And he listed off these things that the enemy can't have. And one of them was joy. He said, Jason, the enemy cannot have my joy. And he said, you've got to get down inside of your heart that your joy is off limits, and no matter what, the enemy can't take it from you. And I heard him, and I listened, and my joy is my joy, that one too, and you can't have it. I will not lose it. I will not let it go. And when I'm filled with the joy of the Lord, it so protects me from the deceptions of the enemy. We as the people of God are called to be legendary, to stand for the truth to stand against what is false, and we can. You can, because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're full of the word of the Lord, and we are filled with the joy of the Lord. Look at these disciples in an antichrist culture. They've just been so persecuted by it that they've been run out of town, and they are still filled with the joy of the Lord. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing. It doesn't matter if there's a COVID-19 pandemic. It doesn't matter everything that's going on around you. You can still be filled with the joy of the Lord. And full the joy of the Lord, full the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God. I believe that you're going to track on the truth all the days of your life and passionately oppose what is false. And if we'll oppose it, what's false, and stand for uh, what is true, then we just might live legendary too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. This truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I do believe with all of my heart that as the people of God, we are called to be legendary, that there's a legendary call of God on our lives. And I pray that you would give us the wisdom, the clarity, the discernment, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. One of them is discernment. And we can identify false spirits, 
Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the joy of the Lord. Fill us with your word so that we can see the deception and give us the courage and boldness from the Holy Spirit to oppose it and stand against it. And Lord, full of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and filled with joy, give us courage to stand for the truth and to declare it. We pray your help in this, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I lift up Christians everywhere. And I pray that you would strengthen them that you'd encourage them and that you'd fill them full with the Holy Spirit, that you'd shine your light on their lives and they'd see any area. Lord, come and bring Damascus Roads encounters right now to anyone who needs them and let them have the humility and, and, the, and the wisdom and the courage to repent and change direction and get back in line with the call of God on their lives to oppose what is false, to stand for what is true, to passionately proclaim the life-giving, life-changing gospel of Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, we need it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just ask you this morning, all of you who may be listening, have you trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you invited Him into your life? Have you called out on Him for salvation? If you've not, Pray with me this morning and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I ask you to come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe that you are the only begotten Son of God. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hey, be legendary. Oppose what is false. Stand for what is true. You can because God is with you. God bless. See you next Sunday.